Hey, it's Adam Sank. And if you like my radio show, you'll love my comedy album, Adam Sank, live from the Stonewall Inn. <gasps> oh, my goodness. What? <laughs> Fellatio? Really? Available on Amazon, iTunes, and Google Play. Warning. The program you're about to hear contains highly offensive and indecent material. Ryan, pull down your pants. <laughs> JB, you start Let's... sucking. The host, a comedian of questionable talent, speaks incessantly on topics of a sexual and scatological nature. I will fuck you, but I will not eat you. I want that fucking dick down my throat while I'm dicking him down. Okay. I hope my mother's listening. Your ass became a rosebud? Yeah, that's because I got dicked down real good. <laughs> he asks questions of his celebrity guests that are highly inappropriate and rude. Which of you has a bigger penis? Oh, that's a good one. That's a fun, good one. Going down on the clitoris? Oh, yes. Oh, I Absolutely. like where you're going with yep. this. For some reason, the word strap-on just comes right out of my mouth, Bianca. Yeah, you said come and strap-on at the same time. And he cannot stop talking about his buttocks. I think your butt is telling you no moss, por favor. <laughs> this is the Adam Sank Show. If it's in my hand, I'm going to suck it. Powered by DNR Studios. And now... The one, the only... Hello, hello. Welcome to the Adam Sank Show. We are live. If you're listening at 11 a.m. Eastern on Saturday, March 30th, 2019 at com, which is now the only place to listen live to this show uh, using the Meta Player. If you are listening live, and I'd love to know how many of you are, call in and talk to us at 844-825-5367. Leave the podcast your ratings and reviews on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen. Email me at adam at adamsank.com. And please like the Adam Sank Show Facebook page. Also, I am still desperately trying to raise money for AIDS Walk. Um, I was doing well for a while. I, I, you know, I'm past like 8,000 and then it just kind of stalled out. So it's very easy. You just go to my website, adamsank.com and right there at the top of the page, there's a link to donate. So I really would appreciate your donations, all of which are tax deductible. Um, and this is my last plug. Beginning April 9th, 2019, you can pre-order my second and final comedy album entitled Adam Sank's last comedy album. It officially comes out April 16th and will be available for download on Amazon, iTunes, and Google Play. Again, pre-order April 9th. It's out April 16th, Adam Sank's last comedy album. Speaking of comedy albums, our guest today is a returning favorite to the ass, Mr. Zach Zimmerman, hilarious gay comedian who has a brand new album that is just out this week. It's called Clean Comedy. Uh, it comes out April 4th, and uh, we'll be hearing a little bit of the album and talking to him live. But first, it is my pleasure and my honor to welcome back everyone's favorite Frost Pig, Mr. Ryan Frostig. Ryan. Can you hear me? Uh, barely. Can I, can I be heard, please? Where's Ryan's microphone? Hello? Hi. Hello. You're still very Hello. quiet. I know. You're very hushed. Uh, it's okay. Ryan. Hi, I'm surprised you didn't say anything about my... Mostly um, because Ryan was on time, so we can do a sound check with him. Oh, so, yeah. He was on time. I was on time. I was like 20 minutes JB early. JB throwing shade. Oh, yeah. That shade is unnecessary. JB binge. has a strange, like, sibling rivalry with you. I know. I feel it. I love you. Like I love brother. you. You want to come for me. You, you want to remind me. Yeah, that you... Me my place. Exactly. I got it. You guys remind me of the two brothers on This Is Us. I don't watch that show. Yeah. <laughs> They're always like I don't know her. fighting um, with each other. But wait, can we talk about the fact that I'm wearing 
your favorite color and you never said anything about it? Well, you're in bright red. Yeah, you know I never wear red. And you've got pineapples and bananas, and it's a it's a strange choice. My spring inspiration. Ooh, there I am. My spring mood board is very um, going on a picnic. Mm, okay. You know. I get that. I also get a little bit of Valentine's Day. It's kind of a Valentine's Day red. Well, I'm always sharing love. And, and, and with your yellow hair and your blue denim jacket, you're just a panoply. Yes. Of, uh, a panoply, if you will. Sure. Of colors. But, um, Ryan, we, enough of your outfit because we have a lot to talk <laughs> about. Do. And has That's this not been the most insane news week of our lives? I, I, I truly cannot keep up anymore. It's, it's insane. First, what, what's happening? Okay, first we hear that the Mueller report's coming out, and everyone's like in a frenzy. You and I were at a dress rehearsal for our concert yeah. for New York City Gay Men's Chorus when that came out, and we were like, oh my God, Shook. this is it. We've been waiting for two years. Mueller report comes out. It's a big nothing, at least according to the Attorney General, William Barr, who cannot be trusted right. because he's in Trump's pocket. So he releases like a four-page Notes summary and says like, um, there's no collusion, and uh, that's all. And Trump's like, total exoneration. (laughs) So there's that. Not the case. The next day, Michael Avenatti is indicted for bribing, uh, allegedly for trying to bribe Nike uh, for millions of dollars and extort, uh, not bribe, extort Nike for millions of dollars. And then also for bank fraud and embezzlement. I mean, this guy was supposed to be our savior. He was supposed to be the hero. And he's so hot. I wanted his penis in my mouth. Hot people cannot be trusted. I That's wanted him to be learned. my president and I wanted his, yes. his penis in Facts. Mind. How people cannot be trusted because they can't be trusted. And, or they might be dumb. Either or. <laughs> it's, it's either you're shady or you're an idiot. That's really... Well, that was a huge shock and a disappointment. And again, he's not been proven guilty, but sure. there's some overwhelming evidence. Then... Rosie O'Donnell comes out with a tell-all memoir and it tells everyone that she was in love with Elizabeth Hasselbeck and that she thinks Elizabeth is a secret lesbian. <laughs> this is ridiculous. I, I don't even know what to say. Rosie and Elizabeth freaks out. Of course. And it's like, I am being sexually harassed on the job. No, bitch, you haven't worked there in 10 years. Yeah. Your job is over. It's not sexual harassment for someone to say that they had a crush on you. I actually didn't, I didn't hear about this. So when I saw the story... I looked, I looked it up, and I was like, is, is this about like their old feud? I didn't realize that she even released a, a tell-all. Yeah, there's, she spills a lot of tea in that tell-all. She actually um, most recently released an excerpt where she disses Whoopi and says Ooh. that Whoopi Goldberg was incredibly mean. And that prompted Brian Balthazar, a regular guest on The Adam Sank Show, who used to be the producer of The View, mm-hmm. to tweet... Whoopi Goldberg is one of the nicest people I've ever worked with, and everyone thinks so. I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically what he said. And then I was like, keep going. Like I did the gif with the popcorn and giraffe. I was like, keep going. And he goes, I once came into work with an eye patch after I had scratched my cornea. He was like, it was hard not to notice it. Um, Whoopi expressed tremendous concern for me and wanted to make sure I was okay. Someone else just stared at me and then walked away. Ooh. Shade. Shade. So that all happened. And then finally, and most shockingly of all, perhaps, Jesse Smollett was cleared of all charges. Just like that. Now, we're going to talk about this for exactly five minutes because I could spend the rest of my life talking about this. There's so much to unpack. So here we go. I'm going to set an alarm. How do I do this? (laughs) Hold on. Siri, set an alarm for five minutes from now. I have a mail series. Of course you do. Okay. 
So first thing that happens, all charges are dropped. No explanation, no statement from the prosecutor. Everyone's in shock. Uh, Jesse comes out of the courthouse and gives a brief statement, and this is how that sounded. I've been truthful and consistent on every single level since day one. I would not be my mother's son if I was capable of one drop of what I have been accused of. This has been an incredibly difficult time, honestly one of the worst of my entire life. But I'm a man of faith, and I'm a man that has knowledge of my history, and I would not bring my family, our lives, or the movement through a fire like this. I just wouldn't. So he maintains his innocence, mm -hmm. still claims he was the victim of a hate crime, right. but gives absolutely no explanation as to how he knew the two attackers, right. why they are not white, why they are not Trump supporters, why they are friends of his. No explanation whatsoever, nor does his lawyer. Right. He's he, saying he's been consistent, and yet there's been no consistency. Well, it, maybe you're consistent, but there has to be some explanation as to how you know these people. Right. No explanation is given. Um, then a couple hours later, the Chicago police, uh, superintendent, he's kind of their, uh, police chief, Eddie Johnson. He comes out with, at a press conference with mayor Rahm Emanuel. And, uh, first I'm going to have you hear the police chief. This is Eddie Johnson who was in charge of the investigation. Like I said, our job as police officers is to present them with the evidence. The apology comes from the person that did this. Uh, if you want to say you're innocent of a situation, then you take your day in court. I would never, if someone falsely accused me, I would never hide behind a brokered deal and secrecy, period. Now, and this is the question, is what kind of deal was struck? Exactly. Because whatever deal it was, the police and uh, the entire police department and the public were not told what it was or what the details were. But apparently, and this is according to the prosecutor's office, it wasn't that they thought the case was bad. It wasn't that they thought the evidence was bad or that there wasn't enough to convict him. It was that Jesse did two days of community service stuffing envelopes for Jesse Jackson's coalition, and that, which was community service, and there would be nothing served by going forward with this trial, and Jesse is going to pay the $10,000 bond that he had been, you know, when you, when you put up bail yeah. and then you go to trial, you get your bail back. He's not going to take the bail back. He's going to just basically forfeit the $10,000 and that's it. So Mayor Emanuel, who absolutely lost his shit mm -hmm. uh, at the prosecutor's office, uh, he then said this at the press conference. But in a time when you have people bringing a moral equivalency in Virginia between bigots and those fighting bigotry, then you have a person using hate crime laws that are on the books to protect people who are minorities from violence, to then turn around and use those laws to advance your career and your financial reward. Is there no decency in this man? Well, so. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how we move forward from this i don't either there's no resolution there's no resolution and it's it's he there's no case against him there's no legal case against him right he hasn't been found not guilty <clears throat> excuse me there was no trial right so he wasn't found guilty wasn't found not guilty the charges were dropped what i don't understand is if everyone believes that this was a hoax mm -hmm. and by everyone i mean the police the mayor the prosecutor's office uh, everyone but Jesse and his defense attorneys are saying this was a hoax. Why didn't part of the deal involve him saying that? 
like normally they ask you to i think it's called recant mm -hmm. to say like yes i did this and i'm very sorry and i want to oh that's it we that's can't it. talk about it anymore all right well <laughs> to be continued jb do you want to say something before we move on nope i'm done thank you uh, thank you Nick. i just you know it's crazy and uh, this is the last thing i'll say i know people want this to be about race i don't believe it is I know I'm a white guy. I know I haven't lived my life as a black man. I believe this is about a rich, famous person mm -hmm. who got special treatment because he had powerful friends who intervened on his behalf and who, through his actions, has damaged the credibility of people of color and queer people all over this country. Right. And I'm not okay with it. The end. Whether or not he... The end! <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Ryan. No, no, no. I just, no, I mean, it's just w whether or not he is innocent or guilty, we may never know, but the damage is done. Terribly damaging. And the fact that I am on the same side as Donald Trump Ugh. makes me want to kill myself. I hate Jesse for making me, like, have to side with the Trump people. But but in this case, okay. Yeah, moving anyway, on. Okay. Yep. Mm -hmm. Here's a story that just broke overnight. Um, do you guys remember, we talked about it on the show. There was this guy whose ex-boyfriend waged a revenge campaign on him by putting up pictures of of him on Grindr and saying, like, I'm a sex pig and I want to, you know, be gangbanged by tons of guys and I want it raw. And basically he sent the, the ex-boyfriend sent a thousand men to this guy's home and I think his office thinking that they were going to have you know rough sex with this sex pig meanwhile this guy wasn't even on grinder so he sued grinder the guy's name is matthew herrick uh he brought a lawsuit against grinder um after the ex-boyfriend created hookup profiles with names like raw pig bottom muscle daddy and gangbang now wow which ryan has also uh yes been known as sure. on grinder mm -hmm. um the second u.s district court of appeals has ruled against matthew herrick in a three to zero decision and basically said that Grindr itself is not liable for any of this. Yeah, I mean, it, I feel like there have been so many lawsuits against Grindr and Scruff and all these uh, apps that I, I don't think that they can be liable. I mean, what do you think? I, I find that kind of unfair because if, uh, if I do remember the story, the boyfriend did fight this. He said this is a fake profile. I feel like if you report this is not you or your profile then and grinder themselves isn't doing anything yes they should be held responsible for yeah. this like i i can i can understand someone not doing anything just letting this happen to him but he fought back he went to these people and asked them this is not me yeah this is not me please let this stop and they didn't and i find it kind of bullshit that grinder was not held responsible for this well, part of the problem is that you can take down a fake profile and then in 20 minutes a new fake a profile new shows yeah. up. It's really hard. If someone is dedicated to harassing you, they will find a way. And I'm not defending Grindr. Like, no. I don't think anyone should be on Grindr because sure. I just think it's bad for people. But um, let's say, because I'm looking at it as Grindr is basically being used as a tool by this crazy ex-boyfriend, right? He could have used another tool. He could have used email. He could have used phone he could have put up signs like my friend chad who we had on the yeah. show that guy was putting up like paper signs all over saying things about him do you sue this the paper maker do you sue the phone company do you sue gmail do you sue gmail right do you see what i'm saying like Any is the platform. is the medium responsible for the message i guess is the question apparently the district court says it's not 
they said that um, Grindr is protected from liability under the Communications Decency Act, which is a 20-year-old law. So I think that the guy has a great lawsuit against his ex-boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And but I'm not, not sure what the status of that is. I'm sure he's, he's suing him. But, like, what a horrible situation. Oh, and my it, God. It could happen to any one of us. It's only horrible if you don't actually want to the be. The thousand men showing yes. up. <laughs> if, if that's what you want, then, hey, that sounds great. Well, I said this on the show once before. I feel bad for the guys, too. Right, because they're like, I'm ready to, you I'm know, ready to pound you raw, like the pigs that you are. And, and the guy's like, who dis? <laughs> New profile, Dufo, who dis? New grinder, who dis? Um, all right, in a much more serious story, uh, police are looking for a man who opened fire in the parking lot of Toucan's Tiki Lounge in Palm Springs, California. This was a gay bar shooting uh, that happened on uh, Sunday, March 24th. Um, at first, there was, you know, tremendous fear that it was like another sort of mini Pulse nightclub thing. But this was apparently it had nothing to do with homophobia. It wasn't a hate crime. It was a fight that broke out at the lounge. Um, someone pulled out a gun. Shots were fired. Uh, two people were struck in the lower half of their bodies, one outside the club, one inside. Uh, a couple people were recording the immediate aftermath with their cell phones. I want you to take a listen to this for a sec. Everyone is gonna be okay. Do not move. Stay the fuck down. Stay down. Stay the fuck down. Now, so scary. It's terrifying. But what's interesting about the video is the reason why that guy with the British or Australian accent keeps saying "stay the fuck down" is because there's several queens who are just standing there with their drinks. Like nothing just happened, and they Girl. will not get down. Right. If someone is screaming, get down, get down. And it's not a big bar. Like it's yeah. a little you tiny probably... tiki bar. There was like 15 people there maybe. It was a Sunday night. Yeah. Get you down. Know that something's happening. Right. These queens were just like, what? Like, wait, What's what? happening? Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. It's like, get the folk down. <laughs> that was like South Africa. I don't know what it was. The suspect fled the scene. He's described as a Hispanic male in his 20s or 30s. By the time, actually, they've probably caught him by now. I'm, I'm looking at a story I printed out a few days ago. But, um, yeah, that's scary. Yeah. Are we uh, skipping the recap? Oh, sorry. Uh, and now, well, <laughs> JV just left, too, so he's not going to oh, do God. the sound effect. Yes, uh, because we have Ryan Frostig here live in studio, I wanted him to do uh, his, his customary... RuPaul's Drag Race recap of everything that's happened since the last time he was on. Shantae, you stay. Hit it, Ryan. Okay, this uh, particular recap, I want to I wanna talk about balls. Mm. Please do. Not testicles. Legendary drag balls. Yes. Wait, do you still want to play Shantae, you stay? You I can play it. Play it. Play it. late, but go ahead. I'm sorry. Shantae, you stay. I got a little stay. excited. Thank you. So, it's pretty clear that Many of these girls that come to the race have not done their research. They don't understand that RuPaul's Drag Race is basically based upon ball culture and Paris is Burning. And when you go to Drag Race, you need to watch every single 
film, every single documentary, every single anything that's that has to do with drag, that has to do with ball culture, because that's you have to do your homework. You have to know the references. And the whole objective of a ball and entering a ball and the categories is to gag the children. That's what you want to do. You want to come out in a look that is an event. Yes. Right. And I understand that, you know, I'm not a drag queen. I don't participate in the art form of drag. But you're an aficionado. But I've I've turned a Luke or two and I understand that like it's not so much about the money. It's not about having money to produce fashion. It's about creativity. It's about like thinking outside the box and Evie Oddly is a perfect example of that. You know, she she finds a way to take materials that are not so like luxurious and turn something out that's really cool and makes you think and is different. A lot of these queens did not gag me. No. This most recent episode was the ball challenge, which we are getting a lot earlier in the seasons recently. It used to be like right before the finale, they do like the top five queens would, would have the ball challenge. Now it's like it's the top 11. And so you get there's three chances to impress the judges and there's 33 looks that are coming down the runway. Right. I thought that maybe three of them were somewhat interesting. I agree. A lot of it was just kind of... Uh your standard drag outfit it, yeah. it wasn't anything spectacular and there's so many i mean with a monster ball there's so many opportunities to reference like the great monsters you know like you could do like the the bride of frankenstein you could do like a dracula you could do some sort of i wanted them to do cookie monster sure. or one of the other muppets like there's so many different ways and even there was the category that was like um uh trick or trick or tramp what was it it was like slutty trick-or-treater basically right. and the obvious choice is to do something that is already like a sexy nurse, sexy, sexy kitten. Sure. It's like, I want to see like sexy plumber, sexy. Well, and librarian. Evie did sexy dinosaur. Exactly. And we that's loved it because so funny. that's the kind of like out of the box thinking that you want from a ball Luke or from any Luke. Yeah. I think that any, and, and because this, the show is what it is right now, if you are in the drag industry and someone comes to you and they say, hey, I'm going to be on the next season of RuPaul's Drag Race. Can you help me with, you know, my, my looks? If I was a designer, I would, I would turn out, I would create and help and send and, and lend as many things as possible just because it's like, that's, this is your moment. You right. know what I mean? Like, because there's the three looks, right? And the, the first two you bring from home and the third you you make there. Mm -hmm. So if you have time to prepare these these uh, these looks, turn it out. Like right. really And some of them, uh, you know, as we've said are not they're not seamstresses, they're not designers, they're sure. not good at making costumes, but you can at least do something that's crazy and original. And if it's not well made, it's not well made, but like, at least the idea is great. Scarlet Envy did the um the creature from the Black oh, Lagoon. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was that was amazing. It was very well done. I, I really thought that that was And in the workroom they were all reading her like Scarlet's not getting yeah. it, and it was fantastic. It was very much a misdirect from the producers because they they were playing that sort of like la di da music, and she's walking around the workroom, and she has this <laughs> thing on her head, and everyone's like <laughs> looking at. Um, Akira uh, C. Davenport is was like um, she's uh, she's straight to DVD. She's she's comparing her yeah. to like to like a um, Akira's role restore. seems to be to just like throw shady comments. But Akira is, is someone that week after week in my opinion has been turning it on the runway yeah i think she's a sleeper she's candidate. gonna date she's gonna super contestant yeah i think she's gonna come come out a little bit more um in the later episodes how do you uh this is the last thing we'll, we'll we'll ask you how how do you feel about the season overall how does it compare to previous seasons 
I think it's okay. I mean, I've I've mentioned before that I feel like the show is kind of losing its edge and it's 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 not what it used to be. Um, yeah. I, I still plan on watching every week and for as many seasons as it, as there are, but I just don't think. I think that the producers and the queens are both trying to produce a show that is not appealing to our community anymore. It's 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 for the fans who are all like. 12 13 year old girls you know everyone is very careful and everyone is very um trying to create this narrative that's not authentic so we're not really seeing these queens uh real authentic selves in my opinion well speaking of teenage fangirls this uh, rupaul's drag race update is dedicated to anaya from melbourne florida yes we love you anaya we thanks for you. listening um all right, so we just did a story about that shooting out in Palm Springs at another gay bar in Washington, D.C. Something very strange happened. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, D.C. has an eagle bar, much like New York and many other cities do. It's always like some leathery, dirty, dirty, smelly blowjob in the corner. Sure. Uh, people smoking pot inside uh, bar. Anyway, they, um, they, had their, they lost their liquor license for a week after they, the bouncer shoved a patron that he said was getting belligerent. Unfortunately for him, the patron is a city councilman. Oh, dear. This current city council member, who is a former mayor, I didn't know D.C. had a gay former mayor, Vincent either. C. Gray, was shoved out the front door. It happened last September when Gray stepped into the bar during an art all-night event, which is a citywide arts festival celebrated by local businesses. Oh, so maybe he's not gay. Um, a TV camera captured Gray walking into the venue, venue, flashing his council member ID to the bouncer. That's not what I usually flash to the bouncer. <laughs> after exchanging word, the bouncer, after exchanging words, uh, the bouncer steps out from behind the counter and pushes Gray back out the front door. Once outside, Gray stumbles and falls to the ground. The guard then turns around and walks back inside, leaving the 76-year-old lawmaker to get up on his own. The bouncer, who has not been identified, later told the police that Gray was belligerent and acting rude when he asked for his ID. He claims Gray told him, basically, make me leave. So that's what he did. Bar owners called the incident regrettable, but said it could have been avoided if Councilmember Gray would have presented his driver's license rather than his city council license. But come on, a 76-year-old man, you know he's not well, under 21. Most um, bouncers are assholes. And... I mean, it's just part of their job. They just have to, that's just the way that they have to be. If if you want to get into a club, you don't want to fuck with the bouncer. Uh, correct. I mean, like, that's that's. It's like tea. fucking with a police officer. Just do what they say. Just do what they say. Worry about the, you know, if they're doing something they wrong, worry power. about it later. Yeah. They have the power to keep you in to, to kick you out. So Anyway. But I mean, um, it's not, I'm not like, it's not okay what the bouncer did. It's no, just I mean, that. no one should be shoved. Um, but it also seems like, would they have lost their liquor license for a week if he hadn't been a council member? Like, exactly. They shouldn't, it shouldn't be that, that the bar gets a special punishment just because he's like somebody. Because now the bar is closed for the, or it was for a week. For a week. And yeah. so no one's getting paid. Right. So no one's getting their dick sucked. That, that's, when a leather bar closes for a week, the community suffers. Think of how much cum. Think is about lost. the pigs. Think, think of the pigs. Exactly. Think of the Ryans, ladies exactly. and gentlemen. The Ryans of the world. Uh, yeah. Also All right. Own club. Um, all right, this is a serious story. So we had Michael Rice on a few weeks ago, mm -hmm. fascinating guest, uh, talking about his documentary Party Boy um, about meth use in the black gay community. 
And he talked a lot in the movie and on the show about this guy, Ed Buck, out in uh, West Hollywood, this like wealthy, white, political, politically connected donor. He donated all this money to the Hillary Clinton campaign. And this guy, Ed Buck, has had two black men die of a meth overdose in his home. And there are numerous re reports that this is a fetish, that he like intentionally gets these guys as high as he can um, to see how much they can take, yeah. essentially. And two of them have died. One of them was the more recent of the two is this guy, 55-year-old Timothy Dean, who was a friend of Buck's. He died in his home this past January. And there was an investigation of some kind, and they have just ruled his death accidental. Right. At the time, friends of Dean, the guy who died, said that they were very shocked by this because he had been sober for years after having had a meth problem. Yes. So the idea that he would just suddenly fall off the wagon, you do all this meth and go to Buck's home Didn't seems see really him. strange. Right, yeah. But Ryan Frostig has yes. some special news to report, an exclusive yes. about Timothy Dean, the, the, the man who died. Timothy Dean is a former porn star who went uh, under the alias as uh, Hole Hunter. <laughs> Which is also Ryan's grinder name. Exactly. And I, I mean, that makes a lot more sense, doesn't it? Well. Not necessarily. No, I mean, it just that like in porn, in, you know. That well, a lot of porn stars wind up with drug problems, if that's what you're saying. Yes. It's, it's kind of part of that lifestyle. It's not like he was just some guy that, you know, worked at, he was a teacher. You know, he was, he was working in an industry that is well, I think fueled by... At one time, I, I honestly think, if I remember correctly, he, he, was like, he had like a legitimate day job for yeah. years. But he, you know, he, he worked in the industry for 10 years, and I'm sure that he... he was, really? He was yeah. in that many movies? Yeah. Well, the whole thing is sick and tragic, it's, and it's horrible. I think the investigation into Ed Buck has to continue, particularly with regard to the other uh, young man who died there, Jamel White or right. Jamel Moore, excuse me. Um, but this one was ruled accidental, and again, as we were saying about Jussie earlier, this is very possibly the case of somebody who is wealthy and powerful getting special treatment by the cops. Yeah, unfortunately. On a much lighter story. Yes. I love how we go. I know. This this show is all over the place. Yeah. I, it's thematically, like it's crazy. Emotionally prep for all this. Uh, Zach, you can come over and listen if you want. You'll you'll be able to enjoy the, the sound effects come more. Come join us here. Our, our guest is not officially here yet, but uh, but he is in the room. So, Ryan, you were a baby when the Spice Girls were big, right? Actually, the Spice Girls, um, that was one of the first cassette tapes, first and last cassette tapes that yeah, I owned. how dare you? We weren't babies. I, we, we remember I was the Spice a Girls. huge fan of the Spice Girls. Well, I, too, was a huge fan of the Spice yes. Girls. I was in my 20s. Sure. I actually went with all my friends to see the Spice Girls movie when it came out. Oh, yes. So there was a bombshell this week when Mel B, a.k.a. Scary Spice, claimed that she had a brief lesbian encounter with Jerry Hollowell a.k.a. Baby Spice. No. No? Jerry is... Ginger uh, Spice. Ginger Spice. Ginger Spice. Call yourself a Spice Girls fan. Mel B. claims that she had sex with Jerry Hollowell during their time together, uh, a claim that's been denied by a source familiar with the situation. Rumors have long swirled that Brown and Hollowell had a romantic connection. <laughs> Here's actual audio of the two of them. But a source tells People Magazine nothing actually happened. This is a classic case of Mel B being Mel B. 
She got carried away, and Piers Morgan, who was interviewing her, uh, was clearly egging her on. Representatives for Ginger Spice had no comment, but another Spice Girl, Melanie C., a.k.a. Sporty Spice, was in Piers Morgan's audience for the taping, and she says she was unaware of any affair between Brown and Hollowell. She said, quote, I don't know anything. This is all new to me. And what's funny is that everyone thought Mel C., was the, was lesbian. the lesbian. I got a real oh. lesbian vibe from her. I mean, Sporty Spice. And also, Sporty Spice was the vessel for all like gay boys that wanted to be Spice Girls. That's the, right. But they like they wanted to be you know the sporty one. Okay. I just want to play this I for the really, rest of the show. I get enough of this uh, at home in my apartment with my straight roommate. So. <laughs> oh, right. Ryan has this straight roommate who's very cute, and he's constantly fucking his girlfriend. And the girlfriend apparently is very loud. Yeah, she's faking it. Um, all right, so that's it for that story. Um, Allegedly. Colorado yeah, yeah. is going to become the 16th state to ban conversion therapy for LGBTQ people. Hooray for that. And now Amazing. it's time for our weekly LGBTQ Pride Roundup. Take it away, Ann Steele. Such an anthem. Isn't it so good? So good. That's uh, Ann Steele, everybody. And... Uh, going to be this, the, the big song at Pride. Yes. Uh, coming soon is going to be uh, LGBTQ Pride in Phoenix, Arizona. Starts April 8th. I, this is The Pride update's weird now because I don't know when people are listening to this podcast right. anymore now that it's like a week delayed on iTunes. I don't know who's listening live. We've had no phone calls today. It's all very confusing. But I don't know. But at some point in the next week, as, as you listen to this... There is... Pride there will be happening. pride happening in Phoenix, Arizona, and their special guests are Ada Vox, Nina West, and Taylor Dane. It's a great lineup. Does anyone remember Taylor Dane? Not she was a big star in the 90s, uh, and she now will come, I believe, to the opening of an envelope. <laughs> if she you also meet her quote. kind of looks like she might be a drag queen now. Well, she's had a lot of work done. Speaking of people who will come to the opening of an envelope and have had a lot of work done, our guest today is a returning favorite to the ass... Not only is he a hilarious comedian, but he's also the host of Hosting, a new quiz show on Scruff. Yes, yes, Scruff. As if that weren't enough, he's also just released his first ever comedy album. Here's a taste of the comedy stylings of Zach Zimmerman. Hit it, JB. <laughs> That's not it. <laughs> we need All right. And we're experiencing technical difficulties. But in the meantime, welcome Zach Zimmerman. Thank you for having me. Oh, your mic's not even on. Oh, no. Hello. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Put Thank this gal on. Me. Hello. Am I on now? You're on. Oh, You're double on. tech. Ooh. Okay, and here is a taste of Zach Zimmerman's new album. And then Hit expect it. Expect me to do treadmill stuff. Like that doesn't make sense to me. But 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 you know, I'm I'm bringing this boy home, and we had met early in the day at. Uh, he worked at Topshop, which was false advertising. So we get back because he was home, and so we get back to the room, and and you know we start fooling around, and and that's when it happens. Everyone, he 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 called me daddy. <laughs> And I tend to hook up with, with younger guys, and I must not be doing it right, because I'm not absorbing their youth. But I wasn't ready to be called a daddy by someone else. Like, that was, that was too soon. And, 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 and it wasn't like, daddy, give it to me, daddy. No, he had an accent, so it was like, daddy, give it to me, daddy. Daddy. <laughs> like I was withholding a bonbon or something. Daddy, give it to me, daddy, give it to me. And he didn't take my note on volume either, so it was like... <laughs> 
<laughs> Please give a warm ass welcome officially to Zach Zimmerman. Hello. That's, that's hilarious. Not the clip I asked for, but it's hilarious. It's the clip we needed. It's the clip it's we the needed clip right needed. now. <laughs> Zach Zimmerman, you are wearing a, uh, uh, your shirt is oh. that game. The, um, twister. twister. Twister, yes. You're wearing a Twister shirt. your hands on it. That's adorable. Right foot, left foot. Left foot. Yes. Blue, green. It's from Uniqlo. It's a women's top. Yes. very bright. I love a it. women's top. Don't. You also love Uniqlo. And tops. Um, Zach, I'm having you on the show now because I feel like a year from now, you're going to be too big to do this Lies. podcast anymore. I will always answer your calls. No, Adam. I really think so. Because <laughs> Slash from your lips to God's ears. Yeah. I th- you're blowing <laughs> up, though. You're blowing up. It hurts. Right? They never say when you blow up that it's, you actually blow up, like it's painful. Yeah. yeah. It's difficult. No, To put no, yourself no. back I, together. I, yeah. Oh, <laughs> so I, much work. I don't know. I mean, listen, hosting a game show or a quiz show on Scruff. Was always a dream of mine. Not <laughs> Scruff specifically. But, <laughs> but I, think about how right many people are on Scruff. That's an enormous audience that you're reaching. And they're, so right now about like 10,000-ish people watch it, but they're going to start pumping more energy and time into it and money. Mm, right now pumping. you can win 500 bucks pumping. It's, but it's like so cool because they're, the questions are all like gay questions and queer questions. So it's actually like educational and I'm learning myself like along the way. Like what's a question that you didn't, that you learned that you didn't know? Oh my goodness. Just a lot of pop culture. A mm. lot of, I, I have some like big gaps from being raised like super Christian. So I'm learning a lot about uh, the golden girls. I'm learning a lot about mm. big little lies, which I did not watch. Um, yeah. I tried watching that. I, I, oh, I got tired of it. it. There's a lot of shows that I recognize are great shows, but I just can't. There's too many shows. Yeah. The novella that broke back mountain. This was a question on my first episode. Was written by a woman named Annie Prue, I think. Oh yes, correct. It was that. actually a short story yes. for the New Yorker. Published in the New Yorker. Mm-hmm. Yes. Look at me. I am. Well, I'm a hundred years play. old. Yeah, you. Have you to play. I should play. I'm not on Scruff though. I'm not on any of the apps just anymore. Downloaded for the game. Download yeah, me. exactly. Today, that's, that's what I use it for. Yeah. Today at four, there's one. A sensible 4 p.m. quiz show. It's, on, it's a matinee because no one matinee. wanted to go in the scruff offices exactly. at 9 p.m. on a Saturday. What are the scruff offices like? It's kind of just like an office with a corner with a green screen, and it's it's pretty low budget. Have they offered you your own fluffer? Uh, not yet. I need to put that in my rider. It should that's, be in your rider. That's where we, I need. You your need help. a rider in your rider. There you go. I'd like if to. You know ride. what I'm saying? <laughs> Zach, uh, your album Clean Comedy comes out on April 4th. Oh, it's yes. your first what time? Are you excited? It's yes, and it's very surprisingly stressful. I shouldn't say that. Like, oh, it's fun. Comedy's great. No, tell but us. It's very spill the tea. I um underestimated how much work it would be, and you've released albums. Like, I thought you just hit record and then you hit publish. No. <laughs> A lot There's of variables. So much work. There's a lot of things that can go wrong. Yes, and then <laughs> the promotion of it. Like I feel like a shadow of a person because every day it's just like album, album, album. I know because you never know if I'm doing it independently, so I don't have a record label. Like telling people album, album. So it's just me telling. Can do something. I have a record label. It makes no difference. Oh you're wow, still, you're still. I, I was on the phone with them yesterday. I go, "What's our media plan?" They're like, "We don't have one, but you do what you want to <laughs> do." And I was like, "Okay, cool." Thanks. So I'm pitching myself. You right. know how it is. Yeah, to yeah. every podcast. Podcast, right. every radio show i'm like you know every media outlet i'm like yep. hi i have an album coming out and you do feel like a disgusting whore oh totally but how else are you gonna 
get it out there. How are people right. going to know? Right, right. And then you look at, like, I was like, when does this promo game end? But then you look at every late night show, and those stars are just on promo circuits. They're That's promoting right. their shows. So it never giving it never Telling asks. the same anecdotes over right. and over again. Yes. It's such a, there can be 100 people in a room. <laughs> How many times did you record this particular set before you were like, I'm done, I have the album? Did you just uh, do it once? Just tw- or twice in December at Union Hall. But I had been developing it for... A year to two years since kind of moving to New York and getting into stand up, which by some metrics is premature, and by other metrics, like I'm, I was thirty when I started. So um, yeah, I was I was late too. Yeah, but it can be good to be late because then you actually have like a point of view and you have life to talk about. Versus like if a I was twenty one year old doing yeah, yeah. No offense, I did see a very funny young gay comedian the other weekend, and he was twenty one, and that was painful. That was really what's hard his name. To, I don't remember. Good. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't need our help. Unforgettable. Okay. No, but I was like, damn it. They're funny young ones. Oh, listen, that's how I feel when I look at you. I mean, you know, for <laughs> years there was like five of us in New York that were like the gay male comedians. Yeah. And we, we just did every gay show. And now there's like a whole new crop of 20 and 30 somethings. And I'm like, who? It's like how it is in every, I mean, who's in she? drag. I yeah. Mean, think about like oh, back yeah. in the day, the like bubble. it was just, you know, Lady Bunny. Yeah. Maybe Peppermint and Beth it's Bianca. True. Now it's all these queens. It's like. You know. By the way, remind me to tell you later, I met a little drag queen last night. And I was wondering if you knew her. Oh, can't wait. Um, I wonder how we deal with it. It's exciting that more people are seeing these as like career possibilities. But how do we like take, still take care of each other? A community of five, like you'd know everyone. You'd probably be friends and Josh with each other. But like what happens when the community is 10,000 or well, 20,000? One thing that's different is we were like known as like the gay comedians and we only did gay things we only did gay shows and gay events and i think you guys you're just comedians like the audience doesn't really care so much that you're gay it's almost incidental it was kind of a novelty for us right right and you lean and you can lean into it too right and but even still the manhattan clubs feel very still like oh it's the gay night or they're owned by like old white right 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 right, straight guys that just don't have any right yeah it's a formula. Basically, all of the current comedy club owners need to die, and I've thought of that. I've thought about that for a long time. Like when they do, should we arrange a party and like poison them? <laughs> like a Kool-Aid <laughs> cyanide party. So, were there any jokes? And I'm asking you this because because I had to do this that you had to either cut completely from the album because mm. they didn't work, or cut like a tiny piece of. Oh, I did some like snipping. The worst thing was I completely forgot one joke that I, I hate that when you're recording and you can't go back no it was something like eating asses like coffee I didn't touch it in college but now I can't live without it no. it was like, <laughs> just like a great cute zinger uh and then you can't go back. And I haven't listened. To, I listen to it a lot, and now I like refuse. Like I don't know how often you go back, but it's very difficult to because it's just wrapped up in like I wish I had said this differently. I wish right. I had done that different. But then I'm like, do I want to wait till I'm 40 to release a perfect album, or do I want to like do this now so that I get to keep doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it and move on? Because the album touches on like a breakup that no longer feels like that raw and fresh to me. So I want to move on to other topics right? Uh, about like existence and life. And now like aging feels like it might become a theme of mine. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I think part of the fun of a live comedy album is that it is a little rough. There are moments where you fuck up or you stutter or you, yeah. you know, you go, Oh fuck that. I fucked that up. Let me try that again. And I made a few edits to this one. Uh, there was one joke where I just I had several punchlines and I just kind of cut after 
the big the big laugh. Yep, yep, I didn't keep yep. going because the less the other punchlines got less reaction, and I just was like, oh, it's such so shitty to end the joke that way. It's like, mm. yeah, you're like you almost want to give the audience a script for like, hey, <laughs> this here's, is the here's in case. To, yeah. yeah, you fucker. <laughs> but when I listen to my first album now, which was recorded back in 2015. Some of it, I'm like, oh, this was really funny. And then some of it, it's cringy to me. I'm like, oh, that's yeah. really a hacky <laughs> joke, and I shouldn't have done it. And yeah. you know, in the moment, like at the time, it was funny to you. It wasn't necessarily funny to me. It was just that I had to come up with 45 minutes. Right. And so some of the stuff was new, and some of the stuff I'd been doing for 10 years, and it was tired mm. then, mm. and that's mm -hmm. really tired now. That's a tension I always face, even with just like doing a 10-minute set somewhere. Like, what's the new to old percentage? Yeah. Like. Uh, yeah do you keep telling a joke that you've told a ton and this is like a peek behind the curtain for everyone that these are not just thought up on the spot right like we're these not are so. crafted but there's no better feeling than a new joke crushing yeah but there's no worse feeling than like a joke you've told you're a like billion prized. times that bombs this is like uh, well actually you know that it's funny then and the, you, then you know the audience just sucks yeah my formula was always <laughs> like i would open with something tried and true mm-hmm and get let them know that like yes I'm funny and I know what I'm doing you. and then you know if I had some new bits to try out I would try them out then and if they worked great and if they didn't I would just go right back to the stuff I knew worked it's kind of like a singer who like do you want to hear their their greatest hits or do you uh, want to hear yep, their yep, yep. like the new song off their album that hasn't been released yet my dream would be able to like read the audience quickly against like three categories like how dirty do they want how are they open to how dark do they want it and maybe some other thing and then adjust the entire set based off of that like first 30 second interaction like oh i know what these people want well that's Which, why it's so important to watch if there are yeah, other comics, comics that go yep, up before you yep. it's so important to watch their sets it's i've never understood these of data. comedians who sit in the green room like no. carrying on this long conversation and like oh i'm just gonna go out there i don't care what the crowd is like but, but, but. i study that crowd yes. i'm like yeah. i want to know who's in the front row want. and yep. who's yep. divorced and who's gay and who's you you that's gonna help so much and there's no worse feeling than when a comedian goes in to do crowd work with someone that's already been talked to like before by another comedian yeah or like, like you guys married yeah. like they've already said it yeah. it's annoying yeah. to them yeah. it's it, it makes the audience not trust you because it's like were you not paying attention before oh, i love that we're just two bitter queens talking oh shop. i'm <laughs> so much more bitter than you zach you call the album clean comedy yeah because your mother wanted you to do clean comedy she yeah she was like if you do clean comedy your career will take off because she thinks the audience is bigger for clean comedy like everybody can listen to it and i guess Maybe she's right, but for me, like, that's just not my style. Like, I grew up in this repressive household, and now if I can say dick fuck, sh fuck shit, damn, I'm going to say it. Like, right. that's half the fun for me, is getting to say whatever I want. Well, clearly the album's not clean. No, it's a little dirty. <laughs> There's one clean track. Like, when you uh, submit it to the platforms, you say explicit, 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 right. and there's one track that's not, and it's just like a god-awful joke. It's called One Clean Joke. It's called One yeah. Clean Joke, for her. And there's some... Well, what's interesting to me is how she defines clean, like what is and isn't clean. Because in some ways, like any discussion of being gay is not is clean. dirty right. to her, yeah. right? And I'm like, but it's not. So the the big what's I was texting her before the show or before we came on. 
she's coming to town next Thursday for the album release. Uh-huh. And I've put together a lineup, and she gets to buzz people if they go dirty. <laughs> that's so that's like how so we're celebrating. Funny. Has she heard your album in full yet? No, she won't listen to it. She literally won't listen. I Isn't know. that funny? Yeah, it kind of hurts, but it's also like, okay, this is you're willing to come and be on stage with me. I think her like need for attention outweighs her bigotry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my my parents don't I mean my mother particularly does not like the dirty stuff, but yeah. they will listen to the entire yeah, album. That's good. Yeah. Um, I, I mean I talk about them in it. I know so a lot. She doesn't like want them to You but... talk about them and you talk about your ex a lot and <sighs> you name him or did you make up a name? I sort of made up a name. He went by a, a nickname while we were dating and so I used his like formal name to make it feel like a character but i guess it is technically still his name how does he feel about it does he know he doesn't and i've thought about you know maybe giving him a heads up but he doesn't come off does he come off bad he comes off a little bad but i don't like destroy him so he's been mining our experience spoiler alert he dumped me on a plane uh he's been mining that experience for art too and like messages me like oh i told a story about that at this like story competition and i'm like he's also a performer why are you telling me uh i think he'd identify as a writer it was part of why we didn't work that well because i thought we were both like these creatives that would bounce ideas off each other but once he realized that i was maybe a little more driven he started to become he started to retreat away from his creativity and i didn't realize at the time but become jealous of things that we should have celebrated as a couple, like, oh, I got a thing. Like, oh, that's great. We uh, Instead, he would become jealous of those, and that just slowly festered away until we both became. He didn't think I was funny, and that that's was the painful worst. Isn't that me. the worst? Yeah. Is he Someone in New York? Shook, no, no, Chicago. Oh, that's okay. why I moved to New York. Once uh, we broke up, I was yes. like, now it's time. I was just saying to Ryan the other day, like, I don't need a boyfriend who's a performer, an <laughs> actor, a comedian. Like, I want someone really dull oh, and quiet. And, and let me be like the loud flamboyant. Because there's always the gardener one. and the flower. I want to be the flower. You Aww. you are the flower. Yeah. That, you never heard that before? No. That's oh, the yeah. gardener. Carrie and the Fisher. Flower. Carrie yeah. Fisher always told that story in her in her one woman show. She was like when she was married to Paul Simon. Yeah. Oh, they were both flowers. They're both flowers. Right. A good friend of and theirs. They both die. And yeah. sometimes no, a bouquet. Paul Simon's alive. No, no, no. Like the flower. Oh, if yeah. you have two flowers, they don't. <laughs> I'm like Paul Simon's alive. Well, sometimes, alive. sometimes a bouquet can be nice. Multiple flowers, but in this case, but they die. That they, they die. They do die. Wait, but, I love that metaphor. Well, she says a friend of theirs said to her after they broke up. He said, two flowers, no gardener." Oh, yeah, that's good. But I also think two I'm tons, kind of a no caretaker. Bottom. Like with my. <laughs> Two girls, one cup. Right. I, I I think when I'm in a relationship, I'm usually like I'm cooking, I'm cleaning, I'm mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I'm kind of a a, a gardener. Maybe you yeah. could, well in a perfect world you get to be both and take turns. Maybe yeah. sure. at no one moment can you both be flowers. But you're but if you're a comedian, you have to have a boyfriend who thinks you're funny at the very least. Like that would yeah, be yeah. That big was like a big me. red flag. I did, I underestimated, and I'd even ask him like, "Do you think I'm funny?" And he'd be like, "I think you're a good writer." Oh, Oof. so offensive. I, wow. like, I still need to think of a punchline to that anecdote to make it a joke, because uh, right now yeah. it's just painful. <laughs> well, when it comes to sex, I think you're a good watcher. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is good. So I'm, I'm going to have sex with other people uh, <laughs> while you watch. Ryan, did you ever date a performer? 
I did, and it was part of the reason we broke up. Did you have those difficulties? Yeah, I mean, he was a filmmaker. Oh, filmmaker. Yeah, and and it was just uh, it was just the relationship that he wanted to be in was with his film, so it was hard. And I was doing my own things, and we just kind of like clashed. But but those are the people I'm attracted to: passionate, creative, artistic. You know, I want someone that like is thinking and mm. and feels something. And yeah. I'm attracted to them as friends. Not as lovers. I don't want to fuck them. I want to fuck someone who's really boring. Yeah, um, Zach. In the time that's remaining, it's time to play everyone's favorite game. Ooh. Not on Scruff. It's called Ask Me No Questions. Ask me no questions. Ask me no questions. Yeah. Six inches. Who is really? Yeah. I thought it was bigger. Don't we all? Who is? <laughs> who is your celebrity crush? Oh, Jonathan Groff. Oh, good one. Jonathan Groff. Interesting. Yeah. He's got a nice boat. I saw his ass. <gasps> when? Spring Awakening. Oh, It was yeah, like two yeah. inches from my face. I was on the stage. You sat on the stage? Mm-hmm. You were on the so stage. Jealous. Yeah, there was a limited seating on the Do stage. You listed as your uh, a Broadway credit? It is. Like, it's on, on, the stage. on my resume. I was in <laughs> Spring Awakening. It's so funny because actually when the show ends, uh, you know, and the audience is cheering, I'm like looking out into the Broadway house and I'm like this is what oh, it must feel like yeah. to be a, a did bro- you stand like, I did I bowed I took a little bow I dropped my pants I showed my ass uh, Zach uh, your favorite comedian oh wow embarrassing but Jim Gaffigan I like grew up on not Jim embarrassing Gaffigan. he's great I mean he's uh, embarrassing in terms of not uh, and I don't mean it that way uh, but he is a clean comedian very clean so it's just funny to think that like yeah, this raunch fest like looks up to and idolizes Jim Gaffin. But I think he's so fucking hilarious. I was on shows with him before he yeah. blew up and he's, oh, he's so a cool. total nice, sweet, down to earth guy, exactly what you would think. It's the best good when, guy. Yeah. It's the best when people are nice off stage. Number three, your least favorite comedian. Ah, Adam Sank. That's uh, of course. <laughs> no, no. Who else no. would it be? Shade. Oh, probably fucking and oh I his name's Jesselnick or whatever. Someone was giving oh, some Anthony interview. Oh, Anthony Jesselnick. Might be him or might be someone else. Was giving some interview and they're like, I'll talk about anything. Like, if I'm not allowed, I'll talk about that thing and that thing. And it just reeked of this, like, white male privilege of, like, why are you making... You could talk about anything. Oh, actually, the guy who opens and warms up the crowd for Stephen Colbert's show is the most problematic fucker in the world. Really? He's this white guy who talks about race way too much and, like, insults... Half of his jokes are crowd work with the audience where he just, uh, like, insults how long or different their names are. Who is or, he? Like, play, I forget his fucking name. He's been on... He Someone on needs Comedy to Google Central this immediately. Like but, Look for Stephen Colbert's opener. Right. Why are you get someone a little and more? Colbert woke. is like so woke too. Yeah, That's but weird. I guess his audience is all like Midwestern. But Jesselnick's one of those straight guy comics that I feel like doesn't deserve to be famous. There's nothing special about him. I think if he hadn't been with Amy Schumer for two years, no mm. one would know mm-hmm. who he was. Um, strangest place you've ever had sex? Oh, I'm so I'm surprisingly vanilla in the butt. No, um, that's from like I know. Yeah, it's one of my favorite shows. Go in, stick it uh, in. Here I am. I got a blowjob in like a closet of my like college frat house. Uh, that's very house. on the nose. That's very yeah. You were in the closet, <laughs> getting blown by someone else who was in the closet. That. That's hot though. Yeah. What fraternity fun. were you in? Phi Kappa Sucker. What? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> they were actually called eating clubs, which could be its own uh, thing. Uh, that's an Ivy clubs. League thing, right? Yeah, or a Princeton thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, um. Wow. Okay. F. Mary Kill, comedian edition. Uh oh. Mario Cantone, Alec Mappa, <gasps> Matteo Lane. I only know one of those, and I'm fucking Matteo Lane, <laughs> and marrying him, and then killing him so I can have his career. 
Um, I would probably fuck Mateo, although I know him and whatever. Um, I would marry Mario. Just because I think Mario? Mario Cantone, you should really know. Okay, I'm right. You would, oh my God. You would know him from Sex in the City as um, the wedding pl- Charlotte's wedding planner, Mario Anthony Marantino. Cantone. Do you not know Sex in the City? No. Who are I'm you? I'm a bad gay. Oh my God. Oh my God. So <laughs> people know him from that show, and his character was kind of annoying, but he's actually a hilarious comedian who's been around for a long time. He and a great actor too. He okay. he had a, yeah, a kid show in the '80s called Steampipe Alley, or Stovepipe Alley. But he's also just, he's brilliant. And then Alec Mappa, you know Alec Mappa. He's that Filipino gay comic who was on Ugly Betty. And he's been on, like, he's been in everything. Anyway, you've got a lot of homework to do, Missy. Jesus. Who's got the best Twitter feed that we should all be following other than Zach Zimmerman? Zach Zimmerman. (laughs) No, no, no. ZZ double Z. Oh, my buddy uh, Andy Ward. It's at A D U B. Oh, I forget. Just Google Andy <laughs> Ward. Uh, Come but on, he, free plug. He's like new from New York, or he's from Phoenix. He moved here like a year ago. He's so funny. He's gotten like a couple really good retweets. He like dragged Sweet Green recently, but I think he's just so funny. Go follow him. Are you a big Twitter guy? I don't get the traction that I would like. Like I can see why it's fun. Someone was tweeting for Tig and like retweeted a thing of mine, and I got a bunch of likes, and I was like, oh, I get why this is fun. But usually I have like, five to ten people liking a thing so it's not that much fun but i try to tweet like little random thoughts that i have i i wish i was making more traction there it i tend to fun. i tend to get way too political on twitter like uh, i read my twitter feed and i get all worked up i'm like trump's a piece of shit and this is what yeah. he's fucking doing today and retweet and yeah he's an asshole and that's and I, what spreads and i that's... scream at him and <laughs> sometimes I'll, I'll respond to something trump tweets and it'll get like 300 retweets and i'm like oh my god i'm so important but it, it's it's all meaningless it's like a playing a video game you know oh it is it a doesn't video do game. anything and the dopamine rush of seeing your little notification exactly mm-hmm. zach if your penis were a breakfast food which food would it be? I mean, breakfast food makes me think of eggs immediately. And so, but then I'm like, is my penis an egg? It's probably one of those uh, Little Debbie donut sticks. Wow, you're really underplaying your penis. It's, uh, well, that way people are surprised. When That's how like, I am too. Okay. I you don't want to lead well. with this, the best thing ever. Zach Clean Comedy comes out April 4th. Uh, it's Z A C H. The yes, non-traditional H. spelling. And there's two of us. One's a country music star, so not that one. Not country music, Zach Zimmerman. How do people follow you online, speaking of Twitter? The website for the album is Zach, Z-A-C-H hyphen Zimmerman.com. Okay. It's a very beautiful little website. Or on social media, Z-Z double Z-Z. That's Z-Z, the word double, D-O-U-B-L-E, if you don't know how to spell double. And then two more Z's, Z-Z. I, I think your name should be Z-Z Top. That <laughs> Get it? Ryan, you have a cabaret show coming out. I Tell people do. about it and how they can get tickets. It is my debut cabaret show. It is oh, called the Duplex, Defying right? Faggotry at the Duplex, uh, April 17th and 24th at 7 p.m. You can get tickets at purplepass.com. And uh, what can we expect at Defying Faggotry? Show tunes, memories, cats. <laughs> Stories. Stories. Cats. And, and cats. Uh, and actual, actual cats or like songs actual from cats? <gasps> no. Oh. And people have already registered their offense, we should say. Yes, it's been title It's, it's been a little controversial. Uh-oh. But uh, that's uh, you know, that's what makes it great. We don't I give love a event. Game, defying faggotry. Who's mad Thank at you. faggotry? Uh, old gays. Oh. One old gay in particular. One, you know those people who just live to tell you 
everything you're doing wrong Adam on Sank. Facebook. Uh-huh. That is not me, bitch. That we will talk about that offline. Shade. Shade. I'm talking about when people come on your Facebook page and they're yes. like, "You shouldn't be using the word spirit animal because oh. it's offensive to Native Americans." Like those kinds of people, like yeah. that whole clapback culture. Luckily, he did this through email and not he didn't publicly try to shame that's me even using, worse He's i like mean emailing you can't say fag he was he was like i i find this word offensive and you can't reclaim it and blah 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 and i'm like um i hear you right uh, right right i'm not listening that being said go, being fuck said, yourself. go fuck yourself ryan frostig thank you you'll be back with us next week when our yes. guest is davy wavy <gasps> zach zimmerman thank you so back? much you cannot Can zach, sit in a corner thank you for being on the show by zach's album Clean Comedy, which comes out April 4th. Go see Ryan's show, Defying Faggotry, at the Duplex. Don't forget to follow me, me, at Adam Sank on Twitter and Instagram. And don't forget to pre-order Adam Sank's last comedy album beginning April 9th. Remember, if you want to hear this podcast live, subscribe at dnrstudios.com. Follow me, email me, fuck me, suck me, do everything with me. I love you all. Thank you, JB. Have a great week, bitches. Bye. Bye.